Well, welcome everybody. Great to see you. Glad if you've come back. And uh, if you're here for the first time, how many here for the first time? Well, give them a big welcome. Won't ask how many came back. <laughs> but really good to have you all along tonight. So what we're doing tonight is the second in our series on understanding or to understand the Bible like never before. And it's part of going deeper, part of uh, the whole desire of Hills Baptist to deepen the walk of those who follow Jesus and worship together under the banner of Hills Baptist. So glad to see you all and trust that you'll have a great time as we share tonight. What I want to do first up is that you can all relax, you don't have to worry about your notes, you'll have notes in front of you in, somebody tell me what colour that is? That colour anyway, that's the session notes for... Some of them are white. If you missed out on uh, books and notes from last week, they're on the table up the back. Some of you did do that. There, help yourself to the copies there. Okie doke. I have um, I have a privilege tonight. I've uh, asked three of the pastors of the church: Mark Sanders, senior pastor, and Dave Shepherd, and Robin Carter. There we are. Um, to share a little bit of time with us as a group about the Bible and them. And uh, it just gives you an opportunity to listen to men of God as they talk about how the scriptures have interacted with their lives over their particular and personal spiritual journey as well as in other things. So we don't ever often get a chance to talk to people who are in the kind of positions they hold or the kind of position that I had over my working life as a pastor and we just assume that men and women who are involved in this know all about the Bible from cover to cover, they've learnt every verse, that's right isn't it Dave? And uh, they, they absolutely can give you an answer to every single question in life because it's there in the Bible. That's why you don't Well that's a good start. So I think it's a privilege to just hear from our brothers, just as brothers who follow Jesus as we do. So I'm going to ask you to give them a big welcome because they don't always get that either. So how about you give it right up for them? So if we grab a... There's a couple of microphones there. You might have to... You know what to do with all that stuff. Now I do, do uh, forewarn you that I've actually gave them some questions. So they've had a little bit of time, not a lot, uh, to think about some of the questions we're going to ask, but I haven't told them about the questions I'm not going to ask, all right? So we'll see how those go. So, here we go. I'm sure you've got questions to ask them, but what I want to start with is just a simple question. When did the Bible become real to you and how long have you been a Bible reader? I don't care who starts with that question. Two quick answers. Yeah. I never really had any interest in the Bible until as an 11-year-old I came to faith. Suddenly I was wanting to look. I've got my own Bible, I want to read it, and have been reading it ever since. The second thing is, when I, I grew up when you're supposed to only read King James Bibles, and I bought a living Bible, and I'd read a whole letter of Paul's, and suddenly it would come alive, and you get a sense of what it's saying. So, And then the other thing was just getting the big picture story after entering into ministry and getting the sense of the, how it all fits in the big picture brought it alive. So we, um, I think this is... It is now. Yeah. We know how it old you... It doesn't work when you hold it. 
Good call. We know, we know how old you are, Robin, because Mark told us the other night. So that's a long time that you've been uh, journeying with the scriptures. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, you ought to give him a hands up for that. It's just, you know, from when he was a little fellow from 11, he's been reading consistently the Word of God. How about that? Come on, give it up for him. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, so for me, my sister used to put scriptures all up around her bedroom. used to write them down and stick them up on sticky notes and I used to go into her room and there was something within me that was drawn to that and I used to say, oh, I wish I could do that and she'd always say, you can. Um, so there was something that was drawing me to the scripture but I, I got, I guess, saved at 16 and it was after, yeah, being saved and just having a revelation of Christ's love for me that... I just started reading his word and again his word came alive, that's, that's how he speaks to us and um, yeah, just ever since then I've been loving it, just absorbing and eating it and then when I started studying at table I had a guy called David McGregor as my lecturer doing a little course called Creative Living and that would probably be the next level of that, of the gospel just coming alive, scripture coming alive. Fantastic, Mark? Yeah, well I guess uh, as a senior pastor for me it was about six months um, then I started reading the Bible regularly. Um, <laughs> um, these guys waited until they were leaving. No, just joking. Um, oh, I love it. No, when I was probably uh, about year six or seven, I graduated from Sunday school and got given uh, a Bible. And at the same time, someone was uh, caring enough uh, to give me a, a daily devotional. And so that was, I'd grown up in church my whole life. But at that age, which was around 11, similar to Robin, Suddenly I had a Bible beside my bed and I had a daily devotional that had a date on it and an encouragement to read it every day. And so I did. I went from never reading the Bible to reading it every single night at the age of 11. And that was so important for mm. the basis for my faith. Went away from it for, for a few years. And then when I came to faith at 17, I really got back into it. And you've been at it ever since. Just uh, off the cuff, have you got a favourite version of the scripture here, folks? Any of you have got a, a particular version I, that you I love? I read or? to ESV and NIV. Okay. I like dipping into the Amplified. It gives you a broader, but probably NIV and ESV apart from that. Yeah, I tend to read NIV, um, yep. but uh, NLT occasionally in your living. And uh, any of you regular daily Bible readers or whatever in the electronic versions that are out there? Who does electronic? I do. So I have my cool. daily reading plan, which is the Bible in one year, which I work through electronically. Yep. Um, and I usually will have the, the, the real Bible, the real Bible, <laughs> the, the, hand, ugh, the written Bible, I don't know what you'd call it. I'd have that sitting next to me. So I learn, I learn by listening and doing, usually. Uh, they're my key things. So I like to have the Bible playing as I read and follow it along, and I find that that embeds it in my spirit but then I also find that I have a mind which gets sidetracked and wanders and so sometimes I'll just pause it and then I'll go and look at other things that my mind has wandered to and I want to explore which is why I have to. So keep going Dave to fill out that sort of question of the particular methods that you've found helpful you've already started with some yeah do you want to open that up a bit more in terms of methods of reading yeah, the word for you that have worked and been yeah, helpful so I guess so the Bible in a year I find really helpful and then also the daily devotionals I find helpful as well, particularly when they're working through um, like a, a book of the Bible or a theme within a book. So it might be looking at Psalms for 100 days or something like that. So I find those things really helpful. 
I find that I struggle when someone, like a devotional where someone's written a really long devotional and then there's a short bit of the Bible I probably struggle with. I prefer a short think spot and then get me into the Word and then I can just sit and reflect. Um, yeah, so I think, chew, like in the Bible, it talks about meditating on the Word, which means to chew, so I like to just sit. I don't, yeah, I don't love just, I like, I like getting through the Bible in a day, but sometimes I also find that that can lead me to, sorry Mark, I'm taking too long, that can lead us, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm just doing it for doing its sake, which is why I like to also just have times where I'll read a verse and just sit on it and chew on it for a while. Um, yeah, someone once told me, I used to get frustrated, my mind would wander a lot, and he used to say to me, don't worry if you wander, because Jesus will go with you when you're wandering. Absolutely. Uh, and talk to you, and that's been really profound for me. So, Mark, for you, that, that question of particular methods that you found helpful. Yeah, so uh, through the years, for, for quite a few years, a daily devotion was really helpful, different, different ones. And, uh, and also, more recently, some Bible reading plans have been helpful. But to be honest, uh, my Bible reading takes two forms. One is sermon preparation, where I'm really digging in from a study perspective and uh, really trying to deeply understand a passage. And even though I'm doing that as part of my job, preparing for a sermon, I find that extremely mm. valuable for me personally. Uh, sometimes it's, I've heard some pastors go, well, that doesn't sort of count because it's, you're doing it to, for a, another purpose. But I find it's an absolute blessing for me. Basically, every Friday I sit there, I start with a passage of Scripture that I've done a bit of work on, but then I just, just really just sit with it. I've been sitting with it all week, and then I just spend even more time and love that. And then apart from that, I do tend to be pretty sporadic. I tend to just read and I just kind of get drawn to different stuff. Um, I listen to the Bible uh, online sometimes, driving, but, but yeah, mainly just, uh, just different stuff here yep. and there. Just kind yep. of, it's a little more random than uh, strategic. Rob? Yeah, um, I struggle with the everyday reading something. I'm two years behind in my cholesterol tablets. So. <laughs> But I'm constantly reflecting on <laughs> in everything that happens in well, life. Just hold on there. there. Anybody with a ministry of healing? Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. But I find that having read the Bible for many years, I just find that no matter what's happening in life, constantly during the day, the scriptures are, are in my mind in response to things that happen in my own life. Uh, what I hear in the news about refugees, I think about what the scripture says. I'm constantly thinking and engaged with what God's saying and... Yeah, but I do see the value of disciplined reading as well. Yep. Like my cholesterol tablets. That's cool. When, uh, when I was a young fella and about to go into Theo College, my supervising pastor gave me some advice which I've never forgotten. He said, you're going to be a theologue soon and the Bible which has kind of been, these are my words, not his, but the Bible which has kind of been a life spring for you now is going to become a textbook if you're not careful. So... Um, I often get that springs back to mind about um, people in your situation often have that, that um, tension between it's a book that I study because it's part of my job as you were talking about. I'm a bit with you, Mark. For me, I didn't feel that dichotomy because what I studied enriched me but there was also that sense of your devotion. How, how do you, you guys go get about keeping yourself fresh in in that so that you know your bible is not just i make a living from it because people could easily accuse us of that um versus yeah i do do that and i own it but also i've got to be a disciple i've got to be a follower i think for me um 
I, I just love the word. Like, I genuinely love the word. And I just love the fact that uh, you can go back to something like I'm, we're just doing Romans at the moment. So I'm back into Romans. Now, I've read Romans before. I've studied Romans before. But I'm back into Romans. I look at a passage. I start at the passage. I've read it before. I've probably studied it before. I study it afresh. And it is fresh. And it is, it is, there's new insights and there are reminders and there is just, it just takes me back. Like, uh, so I just, I just love it. I think, um, yep, there's going to be times when we read the Bible and maybe it's a bit cold or a bit dry or we're struggling or we can't concentrate. All that's true. But I think when we just keep coming back to it, it's daily bread that nourishes us and, uh, and I love it. So, yeah. It's fantastic to hear your pastor talking about how he loves the Word of God. People get commended for loving the Word of God in the book. That's what we're meant to do. We, we need to meditate and dig, dig into it. Robin? I was just going to say the two ways I keep it fresh because I got bored with just reading six verses and thinking about it and it was just a routine like doing your homework and then you forget about it. But I find I keep it really fresh by whatever issue I'm wrestling with in my personal life is searching the scriptures in relation to questions I'm asking, not just mm. questions about life experience, but also just questions about God and things. So searching the scriptures in relation to issues and questions keeps it alive and fresh and how much and looking to see the love of God in what I read. The second thing is reading in different versions keeps it fresh. Yep. I find you just yep. the more it's like white noise, you've read the same version for the last 20 years and you're reading it again, but reading it in something totally fresh, it's still the same word, but it keeps it alive and fresh. So. I like that comment, white noise. Expand that a bit more for us. Say that again. White noise. Can you expand the white noise comment just a bit oh, more? Only that um, I think some things can become so familiar yep. and I think... You know, if I've talked to enough people, they sometimes get bored with their quiet time and it has become just a routine. And I think when you are just reading things, same with Bible studies in life groups. If you've been in life groups for 40 years, it might be better to say, well, I'm just going to think about how I live it out rather than just parrot the same answer to the same question I answered 20 years ago. So I find I'm at a stage where my... My ch I'm focusing on how much am I living it out, not so much how much am I reading it. Very good. Dave, if you'd like to respond to that, would be good too. This is where I think study and preaching is a great grace to us. Absolutely. Because every time you come to a passage, you get to say, God, someone once said to me, say, God, what are you saying to your people in this? Mm. Um, like, what was the context? And you, you just take your shoes off and you jump into that culture and you look around and that's something for me that I love doing I love just putting myself in that moment and picturing if Jesus is by the lake like putting myself by the lake with the crowds and what are they seeing what are they tasting what are they hearing how what's the context here yeah. what was their context and I think you know, you could do that for a thousand lifetimes and you still wouldn't get close to unpacking mm. the richness of the gospel absolutely um, and that's the other thing I think it gets stale when we forget that every single word is God-breathed and every single word is about pointing us to Christ and what he's done. So for me, that's a big thing about if I'm feeling dry, it's coming back to the cross at all times, just coming back yep. to the cross. And how is this passage in Leviticus, what is this saying about Jesus and what he's done yep. for me and for his church? Um, and it brings it to life again. Fantastic. Lots of people have favourite parts of the Bible because it's like unlike any other book, as we're all aware of that. Um, some people don't. Are you, 
any of you drawn to a particular part of the scriptures that just kind of like, or um, that sort of thing, or is it you just go the whole? I'd say for me, it's different seasons, different focuses. Like when my younger, when I first became a Christian, Romans was a huge thing. I remember I used to really struggle reading that, and Dad once said to me, "It's the greatest book that was ever written, and you should get into it." So Romans eight was particularly important for me in my uh, young younger life. Um, right now, Second Timothy is a book that I am just enamoured with and reading it over and over again and loving that, that idea of a young pastor and the words from a wise, a wise old man speaking to a young pastor saying, come on, let's do it. So Absolutely. that's been huge for me. And after wanting to preach it for two years, we finally get to preach it soon at Verdun, which I can't wait for. Robin, do you have any, any, uh, any parts? No, I think the same as Dave, it's different seasons, but I think you've probably, those of you who know me a bit, have a real touchstone in ministry is the grace of God. So I, I find, I guess, Romans and Galatians and some of those epistles are very, and are very practical about the life of the church. But also the Psalms, I just find they've, in even recent years, have become so much a fresh freshness to me because God can handle anything that I say to him and mm. you read the Psalms and it just gives you freedom to be real before God. So, yeah. And I guess the other, uh, um, in recent years, is, the, is just the prophets because it speaks to issues in society and God's shalom and desire for wholeness in the whole world and so there's a real hunger to just keep seeing what they're saying to us as a church but also to the wider world as well. Absolutely. Uh, keep it brief for me. Um, love the Psalms because yep. it's just uh, about uh, real people uh, and their experience of God through the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the times of great faithfulness, the times of wondering where God is, the whole lot. It's all there, just honest. And, uh, and there's also this wonderful praise of God. Um, yeah, uh, love Romans, Ephesians, and I've always loved the book of Acts too. Just this, uh, that just compels me uh, in my ministry this picture of a church and, and, so, and this yep. just hunger to share the gospel. Absolutely. Any of you got life verses? Do you know what I mean by life verse? Oh, my favourite verse is John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. Awesome. Absolute faith. Yeah, I mean, there's lots, but one that's been with me for many years is Psalm 32, verse 8. I'll instruct you and teach you. I'll guide you with my eye upon you. And in the midst of whatever life throws at you, it's a very reassuring verse. And I think the verse after John 3:16, which says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, yep. but that the world might be saved. And I think uh, that's a very powerful word for me at the moment. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I love... Uh, that word to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Um, and he tells him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And then also, again, Romans 8, for I'm convinced that um, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor any powers, neither present nor the future, anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fantastic. Keep the microphone for a second. One last question. You've got an opportunity to say something to your sisters and brothers. What advice would you give them? Just a brief bit of pastoral advice. Everybody in this room is here because they want to get deeper into the scriptures, they want to get deeper into following Jesus, they want to be a church that's effective, not just in listening to the Bible but missionally, making a difference in our world. But the Bible's our book, isn't it? Yeah, I would just say that um, 
there are times when the Bible, when it's a struggle, and there are times when it seems hard, and there are times when it seems you seem disengaged from it. Um, if that happens, uh, don't give up. Yeah, I think well, you see it as daily bread, and sometimes you're really hungry, and sometimes food just tastes delicious. But always, food is nourishing, and you've got to keep you've got to keep eating, yeah. and we've got to keep coming back to the Word because it just brings us back to truth, and it brings us back to God, and it brings us back to the gospel, and it brings us back to Jesus. Well said. Thank you. Robin? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the one thing that I would say is that as, as you're reading the scriptures, um, look for what it, point, how and what it's saying about who Jesus is, because Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, they read the scriptures and they were searching, and he says you try to find eternal life in that but these scriptures point to me. So look for the living word, meaning the person of Jesus as you're reading the written word. Uh, and the other thing is, let it speak to your heart. Don't let it just become a rule book that gives you 50 rules mm -hmm. for tomorrow, yep. but let it just speak to your heart. Uh, the scripture yep. that talks about dividing the very soul and spirit, it just let, as you're reading, just let it ask God's spirit to reveal what it's saying to you in the depths of your heart. Yep. Robin took a lot of what I was going to say, so that's good, so I'll say something else. Um, don't be afraid to embrace the narrative. The Bible is God's story at work in humanity, and there is a beautiful narrative. Uh, so don't be afraid if you're feeling bogged down to sometimes skip a few of the verses and just, just catch the narrative of God at work and let that, that umbrella sit over you, and then that then shapes stuff. Like we get caught up in the details, I think, sometimes, and we argue over little verses about what that means, you know, things like women in ministry and all this stuff. We make mountains out of it, but go take a step back, look at the narrative of God's work, and the truth is that he loves people more than we love people, and he's, he loves his church, and he loves, you know, he, he's just so passionately for us, and just let that sit over you as you read that and as you read the more difficult verses as well. Well, I want to thank uh, your brothers and all of your behalf for sharing a little bit of themselves. Years ago, there used to, be a, uh, used to be a lot around when I was younger. They'd talk about Baptists being people of the book. The reality is um, that's one of our deep values as being people of the book. Yeah. And uh, in the right sense of it, picking up the threads of what you guys have been saying. In the world in which we live, uh, uh, I just feel so much we need to get back to it because there's a lot of voices out there clamouring for attention all the time and we've got to clear some space in our heads to let God speak and hold us and then to be a missional people. So let me pray. The truth. It is the truth. truth. Absolute truth. In a world that is denying truth, it is truth. Yep. You can hold on to it when you need truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Father, thank you for Mark and Robin and Dave. Would you bless them along with Nat? Uh, particularly as he's engaged in uh, uh, another journey with the scriptures for himself as he prepares his heart and life and his family for ministry. We, but would you bless us all? Because it's not about this group of people and that group of people. It's about your people hearing your word and following you with our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength. We want to love you like that. And I pray your blessing on our brothers in their ministry, particularly in this next stretch of leadership that they'll be called upon along with the folks from Mount Barker, as all of that big issue is explored, would you bless them beyond anything they can even ask or even begin to imagine for the sake of your kingdom? Amen. Please give it up to them. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it very much. Bless you. Okay.
Well, tonight we're not going to uh, get through all of the gear that you'll have on your notes, and that's okay, um, because I'll run some of it into next week. But uh, if you have your notes there, you might, might want to get to them. What I want to do tonight is just build on, uh, in a way, build on the interview that you've already heard, um, and hopefully it will, it will uh, be a time of encouragement for us as we head about the task of reading the scriptures for ourselves. Now, my assumption is we're all involved in some way or another with reading, and I'm not, I'm not asking for anybody to say yes or no, I'm just assuming that, but we're all at different place with that, yes, is that right? We agree with that, and we talked a little bit about that last week. So, how many of you have had a bit of time to read the notes that Peter Nickel put out? Some of you? Yeah, great. How'd you find them? Very good. Um, and of course, the book by Jeff Bingham, How to Study the Bible. So uh, you'll find some of the references to some of the gear that I'm going to be talking about in those particular places. Um, and you can go there in your own time. I just want to open up some issues. So here I am. I want to read the Bible. Where do I start with reading the Bible? Or well, somebody comes to me, a new Christian or Maybe not a Christian at all. Maybe not a Christian. Maybe somebody who, um, who's exploring faiths. What would your advice be? What would you tell them to do? How, where would you start them? It's a good question to ponder, isn't it? If you want an answer, you work out your own answer. But there's a sense in which, isn't there, that we have to start on this most unique book in some way or another and it usually begins with, uh, in the case of our brothers who talked about it, a significant conversion experience or something happened to them and from then on in they were locked in and a bit of a discipling advice after that. You need to read your Bible and pray and things like that. Um, but I think somewhere in our lives we get to a, a place where um, we make a decision that we're going to read this book. So the first thing I want to talk about is what, what Jeffrey Bingham called the panoramic uh, way of reading or the wide-angled lens, the, reading the scriptures with a big view. You can actually do that without having to read every book of the Bible. Um, the notes will tell you how to do that. I'm not going to go into that in detail. But that's the whole thing of getting the thrust of the scripture from the book of Genesis to the book of the Revelation. All right? Now, if you've never done that, can I encourage you somewhere in your life to make a determination that you're going to do that. You're going to actually nail that process. What's involved in that type of reading? Well, you get an overview of the scripture. You get an overview of the 66 books. You get an overview of the so-called 40-odd authors who put it all together. This is a, such an interesting book you read, isn't it? I mean, you, you are an interesting group of people because uh, you're basing your daily lives on your relationship with God through Jesus and daily feeding with God through an ancient book. There's not many people would say that was a very sensible thing to do in our world. Because unless you can read the last, latest news feed, which consists of, you know, about eight words of nonsense, almost, you're not with it. But you're going back to a very ancient document. How about that? It's interesting, isn't it? And yet, it's, as we heard our, our friends talk about it, it's, it's alive for them. 
So you, you, you need to read this thing to find the unity and purpose in the revelation that God brings about who he is as God and Father and Creator, Saviour and his purposes, as I said briefly last week. God, human beings, God, man, sin and salvation. It's all there, isn't it? And from Genesis right through, that's that big overall theme. Even the book of Genesis starts pointing that way, doesn't it? How do I know that? Because if you read Genesis 3, it describes the fall of human beings. You know that one? It's called the fall, where human beings sinned and broke relationship with God. But right there, God's, God, he says to Adam and Eve, with what's called a hint of the gospel, the proto-evangel, the first promise of the gospel, that he would redeem them. And you can trace that theme right through and see how God opens it up. Are you aware of that? But it's good to be refreshed in it, isn't it? Because we're not just reading a book that's not relevant to us. So you, you read to get this whole picture. The Old Testament points to the coming of Jesus. The New Testament tells the how and the why of his coming. It focuses on the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the outpouring of the spirit, formation of the church. And then letters to the churches about how you live as Christian people. Now you're living in this new world, but you're living in this old world that's just like our world. I'm, I'm amazed how the similarities between the book of the New Testament, the New Testament times and our times are so, so much enmeshed. Have you, have you noticed that? you just got to throw a little bit more technology to ancient Rome and you're right there. You really are. And that's where the church was planted and flourished and that's where they lived and based their lives on the scriptures, which incidentally in that formative period were the Old Testament scriptures. And they didn't have them all in, in convenient form such as we have. So reading gets you that what Dave was talking about. I'm so glad he talked about the story, the meta-narrative. The Bible's full of stories. Now, when I'd use that word story, actually, I had somebody once I was preaching in a place and this person came to me. He wasn't a member of our congregation because they, they would have known better. But anyway, it doesn't matter. This visitor came and chipped me up because I was talking out about something in Luke and I, I talked about the story. And this person said it was historic truth. Well, of course it was. But it was also the story of that historic truth. You get the difference? And you need that. So you need to get this big story, the story of God and his purposes in the universe, actually, and his purposes that narrows down to the church. And the church is composed of who? Concrete Nashville, yeah? No? People. Like you and me. So that's part of this reading, this, this getting the... Actually, the Bible says a lot about itself, doesn't it? For the word of God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You'll find that. Whereabouts do you find that? Try it. Yeah, that's the other one. Hebrews 4.12. So I was, that's the next one I was going to read. Um, where Paul says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, first thing is to think about reading this big story. Then another way of reading your Bible is a sectional thing. You might read one of the Gospels. You might read the Psalms through. You might read um, uh, the Proverbs, the wisdom literature. You might get into the Prophets. You might get into the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible to to kind of read what that section's about. 
Then there's the detailed thing. That's maybe a short section uh, where you, you, you narrow your focus down a little bit and you'll read maybe um, some chapters out of, out of the book of John, for instance. What you've got to remember when you're reading a shorter sections is just a simple little thing. There's an old, an old phrase that used to be around that said, a verse out of context is a pretext. So you've always got to remember that when you get into shorter reading, like maybe one of the Psalms, that's part of the, the whole book of Psalms. It's part of the whole what's called wisdom literature in the scripture. It's part of the whole revelation of God in the Old Testament to his people and his instructions to how to follow him. And it forms part of whole. So everything in the Bible actually fits with the whole. And that's why you actually do this continuous reading so you can see how it works together. There'll be individual stories, yes. You, are you with me? I hope you don't. I'm not sure whether you're tired yet or I'm boring you, but I'm, that's part of that. Then the detailed reading and then the casual. Now, there's nothing wrong with the casual or dip-in kind of method. Uh, probably every one of us in this room from time to time in a moment of desperation or perhaps in happy praise are flicked it open because we want God to speak to us. Guilty as charged. It doesn't hurt. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't want to base all your reading of the scriptures on that sort of approach, you, you have to have times when, when that's very true and God speaks to you. Yeah? Anybody had that happen? Yep, absolutely. But you'd be a kind of a, a bit, um, how can I put it, you might be a little bit stunted if that's how you always approach your Bible reading because then you've made it a very kind of God and me and God's personal direction to me and you can make it say anything. But if you're reading the whole thing, you've got to get what God is actually saying. Are you with me? Okay, you're doing, doing very good. Then there's devotional reading. Uh, Jeff Bingham said, Devotional reading seeks to see more and more of God and to understand him more deeply and to relate to him more closely. It seeks to hear what God is saying through the reading of his word. So devotional reading. Most of us would probably do something of that most days of our lives maybe not always but often yeah and there's plenty of stuff out there to help us Dave talked a little bit about that um, you other people will recommend you know I I'm not going to actually talk about the kind of stuff that's out there um, because there's 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 just a plethora of stuff and in the days of um, phones and tablets and not the two tablets that, that Moses had but um, those electric ones we have. There's so much out there. Um, I just want to say one thing about that kind of devotional reading. My encouragement to you is to read the Bible devotionally for and by yourself. Now, I have no issues with things that are written, okay? Which one of the guys said sometimes he wished they shortened down the, down the blurb and... Um, Dave, was it Dave or Robin? I can't remember. You're there, Robin, who? Dave. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes uh, those, they can be great helps. It's like when I'm preparing for a sermon, I try and do a lot of the hard work before I dip into commentaries or other people's thinking. But sometimes I've got to go there because I don't know the answers to some of the questions I have, yeah? But I think if I'm always relying on that, then I'm not doing much hard work myself. So I don't want to make devotion sound like hard work, but but just to open it up so that you actually hear what God is saying to you as you read the allotted portion of Scripture for you that day. Are you with me? Um, I won't name the place in the church, but 
if you're reading a particular writer for 30 years, perhaps you might have an imbalance. Because <laughs> there's other people who've got views on the scripture, yeah? Not just that particular person that you like. As good as they can be. I think I've worked my way out of that one without getting too deep into problems. Well, here's a little method you might find handy. It's called the SOAP method. SOAP, it's an acronym. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application and Prayer. Now, um, I use this myself fairly consistently. I read, I, uh, I, I'll tell you how I do this in a moment, but I, have, I read allocated portions of Scripture most days. There'll be something jumps out of me, out of that, to me from that Scripture. I'll... I'll I'll write that down. I'll make some sort of observation, personal observation about, about what that scripture is saying. Draw out a bit of application and then write some small prayer. So I'm actually working on that, that devotional aspect myself. If, um, if you want a good book on that, I can recommend highly this little book called The Divine Mentor. It's written by a pastor, Wayne Corderio. He pastors, senior pastor of a very large church in Hawaii. So if you ever want a Hawaiian holiday with a buzz, he's the funniest man you'll ever hear. He's really great. Um, he's based his, they've based their church on people learning how to feed themselves spiritually. And in that church, by the way, so you had, if you went, you know, life's not going real well, one of the first questions the counsellors would ask you is, are you doing your daily devotions? Now, obviously, some issues are more than daily devotions, yeah? But they want to get people back to say, are you actually into God? And so they base this church, their church on this method and, and journaling. What I do every year, I just get a diary and I uh, do my stuff in the diary and I do my reading. I write down the scripture that's really jumped out at me or said something to me. Sometimes it doesn't. You don't force it write it down and, and follow that, or sometimes these days I just tend to write the scripture and pray a bit more. But you can develop your own method is what I'm saying. So if, you've, if you're not used to doing that, have a crack at it. Um, nothing wrong with staying with, with what you have either if, if that works for you. Okay, are you, good, are you good so far? All right, here we are down a little bit of practical stuff. First thing is, if you're going to uh, read your Bible, if you're going to be somebody who studies the Scripture um, along the lines of the Timothy thing that, um, you know, study to show yourself approved, a workman who can handle the Word of God rightly, dividing the Word of truth. If you're going to do that, um, you've got to make up your mind to start. It's as simple as that, all right? If I need to go on a diet, I've got to make up my mind I've got to do it. I've often thought I'd be a lot skinnier if I didn't... Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. If I developed certain muscles, it'd be a good thing. But you've got to get it in here, don't you, and say, I'm actually going to do this. I can tell you one thing I've discovered. This is deeply profound. You ready? You want to write this down. Nobody else is going to read your Bible for you. That's so profound, isn't it? You know... Round of applause, come on. <laughs> hey, the reality is, the only person that can read the Bible for you in terms of your understanding of the Scriptures and developing your spiritual life is who? You. Other people can teach you. I thank God for pastors and teachers and prophets and people that God provides. But ultimately, as a 
priest, you know, we believe in believer priesthood as Baptists. Ultimately, you're the one who makes it happen for you. And it's so liberating when you get that. You've got to do the hard grind of working out how to make it happen. So all I'm going to say is, in terms of hints and methods, start somewhere and aim to finish. So if you're going to read the Gospels, for instance, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, begin at Matthew and finish at John. Make it your task. Work out how you're going to do certain, how many of those chapters a day or over a week or whatever, the, whatever you set, but just keep plugging away. Like, don't give up. One of these guys said, don't give up. Um, and the other thing is, go at your pace. Not my pace, not the person alongside of you's pace, but your pace. What works for you? You know, sometimes you might only be able to read a few verses and God stops you in your tracks. And you've been, like Robin was talking about, white noise. You could, you could be into that and suddenly it's, it's something flashes, yeah? And you have to say, man, I've never really looked at that. And God pulls you up. Well, that's fine too. It's all good. But in terms of covering the sweep of Scripture, you have to make up your mind how you're going to do that. Now, I put a little thing in there. Uh, get a method that suits you and work at it. Just work at it. And can I say, this is, this is another thing that I've personally found. You know, when you hit the dry times in your spiritual life, don't get concerned. Just push on. Life's full of dry times. Life's full of muck times. The difference for a Christ follower is that our Saviour is with us all the time, taking us through that stuff, even when we go through the toughest of times, yeah? And sometimes uh, you'd be amazed that dry times when you're reading your Bible can be actually some of the most productive. So just push on. It's amazing how God comes up with stuff in all of that for you. Um, I'm, I'm a continuous Bible reader. That means, for me, I aim to get through the Bible every year. Uh, my old college principal, Prin Ball, uh, talked about that. Every year he would read the Bible in a different version, kept it fresh for him. He would, he would keep his study Bible uh, that he did his main work from. Um, sometimes I'll read it through in six months and then I'll concentrate on the New Testament again or I... Uh, I might do some particular study, but for me, I just simply enjoy reading the Bible over and over again. And what I've found as I've done that is that I, the, I keep on getting a better sense of the meta-narrative. And I get to places, I say, oh, I can see how Kings relates to Chronicles and the rise of the kingship and the fall of the kingship and blah, 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 all that stuff. You with me? So it, it, for me, that works. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying for me... That, that works. And I do other things as well. Peter Nichols said, be prepared for a battle. And I can tell you, if you, if you, the devil doesn't want us to get too serious about God's word or being a disciple, a follower of, of Jesus. So there will be a battle, right? Um, and you've got to work out, you know, there's a lot of younger people here, young mums, busy demands on people's lives. It's not, you know, people in my situation in life have got a, a bit different time frame to do things. You just work out what works for you. What time of the day to read the Bible? People put all sorts of stuff on others about, you know, what's good. Early in the morning, that's great if you're an early morning person. Doesn't work if you, you don't get going until 11 o'clock in the day. True? Who's found that out? That's most of you read the Bible at midnight, I can see. 
That's just the reality, isn't it? Some people are great in the morning and other people really just morning doesn't happen till three o'clock in the afternoon. So you've got to work out what's, what's a good time for me to read the scriptures and kind of stick to it. You know, how do you deal with the distractions and that sort of, of thing? You, you have to uh, kind of work that out. Very practical stuff. Don't com- uh, as far as the time of day to read the scriptures, I don't care and, I d- and don't compare because what works for Andy won't work for me. But it'll work between God and us. You with me? So um, next week we'll have a little thing called my Bible reading log. I think I've got a copy here. This little thing I've found to be the most helpful thing in reading the scriptures that I've ever got placed in my hands. Uh, John Field, who used to be the general superintendent of uh, South Australian Baptist, put me onto that. It's just a simple Bible reading log. And all it does is that all the books of the Bible, every one of them, every chapter, the 1,189 chapters are there, and as you read the chapter, you just simply mark it off. What that does is deal with guilt about having to read Genesis chapter 1 on January the 1st because you might get to January the 6th and you've missed it. So if I get behind, I'll just catch up. Sometimes I get way behind. Sometimes I get way ahead. I feel real good then. So, but there are Bible reading logs, electronic versions. There's all sorts of things that people use. We'll, we'll give these to you next year. They're put out by a brethren group. And they've kindly agreed for us to photocopy them off, so that's great. But I just find that a helpful way. I just, you know, um, I don't get locked into guilt that way or somebody else expecting me that today I've got to read Jeremiah 29. All right? I just read it. Okay. Cup of tea. When we come back, we're going to set you up with a little exercise to do. So help yourselves to tea, coffee, water, whatever you might like. And as you get up from the table, say day to somebody different. All right, away we go. Okay, doke. Now, plenty of time in the next uh, few 20 minutes or so that if you want to go and get a tea or a coffee, haven't done so already, you just know where they are. And go help yourself, okay? All good? And before I start the session, just a little apology to Charlton here as he got that scripture. I, that was the next one, so I've already gone and talked to him about, the, about that. We're good mates. So I, it didn't come out of my mouth quite the right way. So that sometimes happens. It's an occupational hazard. I don't want to scare anybody off. That's the thing. Okay. Um, can I have a bit of a, a, a straw a straw vote, whatever. Um, Are you you happy to do this? Are you happy to declare whether you are a person who meditates on the scripture or not? How many of you have done that at some point or some time in your life where you've you've meditated on the word of God? Oh, we can go home, have an early night. All, All great. I've got a section in the notes about memorising scripture. We'll come back to that next week because um, that we'll do that. Um, but I want to set us up with a little bit of a meditation exercise for the next 20 minutes or so. 
Um, I won't say too much about meditation. Um, the nickel notes, the Peter Nickel notes that you have, these search the scripture, can I borrow this? The search the scripture notes, his section on meditation is really terrific. If you read that old book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, there's a good chapter in that. You've sort of got to look at that a bit and work your way through it. There's lots of stuff about meditation. Here's the essential difference for Christians and their meditation. When we start to talk about meditation, we tend to, tend to think about stuff that's not uh, Christian. That's the general view. You, people will say uh, how they're coping, they meditate day by day. But you know they're not a Christ follower and you say, how does that work? Well, that, that's something different from what we're talking about. You're, you're okay with that? Eastern meditation, that sort of thing, without going into detail, involves emptying your mind and putting something else in there. A Christian who meditates is not emptying their mind. They are wanting uh, in, to actually fill their mind with God's word, which is a very, very different thing. But a lot of us don't push into meditating on the scripture because we're frightened of all these other connotations that are associated with the word. And that's a bit of a pity. All right. Now, I'm not a great meditator. I'm going to give you some methods and uh, things. I'm, I'm, I probably tend to be more of an activist. Any activists in the room? I'm the only... It's just three of us. Oh, that's good. That's encouraging. <laughs> Four... We, we range on this scale of people who could spend all day meditating on the word of God and stuff and others who, who find actually as they're swinging a hammer, they're thinking about God's word. That is actually meditation. In Genesis, uh, there's a story of Isaac, son of Abraham, went out into the fields and he was, what was he doing? Meditating. He was thinking about the young lady who was coming over the horizon called Rebecca. I don't know whether he was thinking about that or not, but he was meditating. <laughs> so meditation, there are two Hebrew words. One, one word uh, you find in Joshua 1.8, Dave talked about that as being one of his, his special verses. Uh, the word means that, that um, uh, Joshua was told by, by the Lord to not to let the word of God depart from his lips and to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. It actually means he was to mutter over it, um, like a coo over it like a dove. All right? So that's an interesting thing that for some people, uh, meditation might mean recitation of scriptures over and over and over, which sounds a bit mantra-like, doesn't it? But it's, a, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to do. It's not like developing a mantra. It's like just getting this scripture into, into your being and thinking about it. The other word that you'll find is a whole bunch of references in Psalm 119, 119 that, that I think that just talks about um, kind of bringing to mind all the time the word and just bringing it up and backwards and forwards. Uh, I'm an ex-dairy farmer, had 250 cows were milked year round. My cows were good meditators. Do you know why I say that? They chewed the cud. So they'd come in at milking time and if they were in good health, they'd all be slopping some this way, some that way, bringing up out of their stomach. You know they have four stomachs, don't you? Lucky cows. And uh, they would just get this grass up and chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it. I can tell you one thing, though. 
that I that was an absolute a worry for a dairy farmer or anybody that have uh, ruminants with four stomach compartments or four stomachs. If if they can't chew their cud, they're very sick, they're very unhealthy. So meditation's been likened to that, taking the word of God and chewing on it and regurgitating it and chewing on it and so forth, okay? We'll talk more about it over the next little while. What I'd like you to do is there, on your back of the sheets there, there's a little exercise. And we can do 15 minutes, or 10 to 15 minutes on this. There's four scriptures I've just picked more or less at random, not totally, but more or less. Joshua 1, eight, Psalm 46.10, John 14.6, 2 Corinthians 8.9. I'd like you to choose one of those verses. It may be a help to write it out on your piece of paper if you want to. You don't have to do that. And I'd like you just to spend the next mm, 10, 12 so minutes just ruminating on that word, all right? So that means the room's going to be pretty quiet because we're not going to be talking to one another. Um, We'll steer away from them cooing over it like a dove part for tonight anyway. Okay, good job. Is that okay? So if you can find the scripture, choose one of those verses. Joshua 1.8 one is about um, meditating on the law of the Lord. Psalm 46.10, you'd be familiar with, be still and know that I am God. John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, and 2 Corinthians 8 9, I think, talks about Christ uh, dying for us. So choose one of them. You don't have to write anything. You just might want to sit and think about it. It's whatever works for you. It's all fine. Okay? And in about a few minutes, I'll say hello to you all again. There's a lot going on in our lives, day by day, yeah? Bombardment of information, constantly. I read uh, somewhere once that uh, just an ordinary copy of the New York Times, an ordinary weekday paper, had more information in it that... Uh, people were expected to absorb than the amount of information that a person, a similar person, three or four hundred years ago would get in their entire lifetime. Hugh McKay, famous Australian sociologist, wrote about uh, information overload and the angst that was causing our society. There's just so much stuff going on, yeah? One of the things that happens when we meditate is we, we clear ourselves a bit, of, a bit of that. And as Christians, we actually deliberately focus on God and his word and listen to him. And that's a really, really good thing. And it's not easy to do. How many times have you come to do it and something else jumps in? Susanna Wesley, mother of John and Charles, and uh, had reportedly 19 children. She probably had a few servants too, but anyway. But when Susanna took her apron and pulled it back over her head, 
all the kids knew it was time to clear out because Susanna was at prayer. So making a space to even do these things or a time or just to clear the deck of all the stuff that's going on, really not an easy thing to do. So well done, all of you. You've got just a couple of moments around your tables to say what that was like for you. So just to be brief sentences, you won't be able to talk forever. If you want to, just jump in and say, I found it hard, I found it good, it was great, wonderful, I should do it again, whatever, whatever, away you go. And at about one minute to nine, I'll blow the bell. Don't worry about that clock, that's wrong. I've got the right time here. Okay, away you go. Which means we've got about three minutes to do this, folks. So go. Okay, folks. Very well done. I'm sure there's lots more conversations around the tables. You're very welcome to stay as long as you want to, as long as you're the last out and how to key the door, that's fine. <laughs> Talk as long as you want to afterwards, but thanks again to, though, to Anne and April for helping us get all the stuff together. Really appreciate that. If anybody, people want to stay behind for a moment or two to help clean up, I'm sure that would be appreciated. Um, I trust you found that helpful. Next week we'll look at um, among other things, we'll talk about memorising scripture and how to go about that and we'll dig a bit deeper into the meditation thing but somewhere down the track we're going to get into uh, how your Bible's put together. Actually, I think Robin might be doing that lecture. Or not. Are, you going to do, are you going to do that one for you? <laughs> um, and, um, no, no, not at all. Um, and then we, somewhere down the track, we want to talk about studying the Bible in, in more depth and then how the, you look at the different parts like a gospel or the letters of Paul or whatever and maybe talk about parables, all sorts of things in store. So I f- hope you found it helpful. Let's jump to our feet. We'll pray and you're free to go. Just before I pray, one thing I'd encourage you, perhaps if you want to take those the other three scriptures that you didn't use tonight and do, do those for a meditation exercise during the week. Have a crack at it. Just, just have a go, all right? Father, thank you for your grace. Ask your blessing as we go from this place. Keep us safe on the roads um, and also make us safe drivers as well. Uh, Father, we want to pause for just a moment because we know that you're the sovereign Lord and we know in the depths of our beings, that you control heaven and earth. But right now, there's so much happening in our world that distresses us and causes us deep pain and angst and shame at times and fear and a whole raft of issues. We surrender those to you and to the power of your gospel. We ask for wisdom for world leaders. May that also be reflected in our own lives, that what comes from our mouths reflects your word and reflects your wisdom and therefore gives hope and the power of the gospel that you actually can change things to those around about us. During this week, help us as we read and meditate and discuss and pitch into your word. Would you bless the three worship services coming up on this Sunday? Bless those charged with the responsibility of bringing your word But bless your people, Father. 
as we before you exercise that great privilege of being a believer and a priest of the Most High God. We say this together and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you all. Travel well.